You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 203 and 204 of Talking Through the Bible. Yeah. We are cruising right along, and uh, we are in the middle of a what's considered a minor prophet. I don't know if we said this, but there's major prophets and there's minor prophets. And hopefully you can tell by now after Jonah, Amos, and now Hosea, that minor does not mean that their content is lesser or uh, not of greater value. It literally means their books, their letters are shorter. Mm -hmm. So the minor prophets are just short interactions with the prophet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the major ones like uh, Jeremiah and Isaiah, Isaiah yeah. Ezekiel, Daniel. Th- those are longer, and so they're major. Yeah. Anyway, that's fun, all. Fun fact. So where are we today, Matt? Our Old Testament reading for today is Hosea chapter six through chapter nine. Well, Hosea has gone from the metaphor slash like real life lesson of yes. marrying an adulterer. Mm-hmm. I feel like at chapter six here, we're going to talk about six through nine. Mm-hmm. Hosea's got a few more like illustrations and metaphors coming to the people. Yeah. But he's basically, what is, what's that phrase? Like the whole throw in the kitchen sink. Like oh, yeah. anything that can help relay the message, you're in trouble. Stop change like how else can i tell you this i am a living example i'm a figurative example i will give you word pictures i will give you history lessons Mm -hmm. i will give you well i'm trying to show you repent and come back to god please i was thinking about that because most of hosea is a poem like it's all it's a collection of poems interesting and uh i was just thinking about how closely related prophecy and poetry are right and I think we've kind of always had that idea running through our heads because whenever you watch like some cheesy fantasy or sci-fi movie or TV show, which I never do, go <clears> ahead. <throat> there's always some like cryptic, uh, divine prophecy or something like that, and it's always ends up ending being like some cheesy rhyme, or <sighs> and and it's like okay, we gotta figure out the riddle. But as I'm going through God's, uh prophecies and the stuff he's telling through his prophets and the poems they're using they're not meant to be cryptic they're meant to stand out and catch your mind and they're creative and they're thought-provoking and they're pairing these very provocative images to kind of whatever it takes to get it to stick to get it to like work into your brain and be like oh man are we like that do we really look like that to god huh and I, I just, it's just very interesting. It's very creative, and like a, a lot of the stuff we're missing because it's not in the original language, and it's a lot of wordplay, and yeah, and he's like being very clever and creative in this. Well, and there's always pockets in the prophets. <clears throat> the prophets have deep pockets. Deep pockets in the prophets. And uh, hot pocket, and there's a little one in chapter six, the very beginning, where he's like, it sounds very Jesusy. Mm-hmm. He says, "Let us return to the Lord, for He has." Torn us that he may heal us. Mm-hmm. He struck us down and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Yeah. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. I mean, basically, it's the idea of who knows what God will do, even the Ninevites. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But even kind of, it's, it's like 
one of those ice creams where the fudge is just kind of marbled in. Mm-hmm. This idea of resurrection. Yes. It's is, so deeply ingrained. Yeah, it's the grain the... of this story, mm-hmm. like the wood. Like you cut with the grain, you find it over and over again. The prophets are always saying, you're down, mm-hmm. but he will lift you up. Keep pressing on to know the Lord. Do not stop trying to know the God of all gods. And I was thinking about that because, like, there's a lot of stuff in here that you're going, whoa, he's talking about Jesus. He's got to be. But also, I think he's just talking about God, and he just knows God and how God deals with sin and with his people. As he he gives a a lot of time for punishment, but then he raises you back up. And this has always been how he's interacted. That's a a great point, though, because we want to try to find, unlock the mystery or unlock the code. But you're right. It's not like, oh, there's a proof text for resurrection. No, Jesus is the heart of God. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the heart and the face of God in his son, they look alike. They act alike. So the idea of resurrection, even if the prophet's not specifically talking about Jesus, Mm -hmm. which I don't think he is, he's talking about the nature of God. And how God's going to work it out, he's free to work it out. Mm -hmm. But know one thing for sure. The nature and heart of God is to redeem Mm -hmm. and is to raise you up from the dead. But he will always pun- he will also punish. Oh yeah. There's justice, and he will bring justice. And so, what's interesting is he deals with Jesus. He pours out the justice that he that Jose is warning about. You see that poured out on Jesus because he's consistent. Yeah. He's like, this is what is required by the law, and so this is what I'm doing. This is what I'll always do. But I will always find a way to bring you back. And that's uh, chapter seven. It's like God. Oh, man. Pushes in to save <sighs> Ephraim. Ephraim, if you're reading through it, is just another name for Israel. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Israel, and but the more he pushes in, the more he loves, the more they sin. Yeah, the more it, their sin is revealed. And so it's like the you just kind of start to see God's heartbreak right. in this whole narrative as he's like, I'm trying to love you. I'm trying to redeem you. I'm trying, and the more I try... The worse, like the more sins come to light, the more your rebellion and and how hard your heart is and how far away you are from me becomes uh, revealed. Well, and he's comparing them at one point to a cake not turned Mm -hmm. in the oven. So like, you guys are like a cake not turned where there's a part of you that's just so hardened and Mm -hmm. so unedible now because you're burned. Mm -hmm. And yet there's probably another part of you that's like doughy and raw. I don't know. It's just can't eat you because you're so full of rebellion, evil, lying against mm-hmm. the Lord. I mean, and God's just simply saying, repent. Like the key to everything is repentance so that he might return to us. Confess your sins. Trust in his pardoning love. And uh, and again, for us, we're reminded that Jesus, the Lamb of God, has forgiven us, right? Yes. And then uh, 8 and 9, again, he's just kind of going into this idea of like... It's not a cake. It's a vulture. You are... T- you have... You are going after all these other gods. Yeah. You've engaged in such intense idolatry, and it's been from the very beginning. And he, like, uh, he well, calls back to, like, you guys have always had these golden calves, and they've always been around. They still have the golden calves in Samaria at this point. Yes. And these, this is very yes. similar to even in Exodus. Mm-hmm. They build, this is what Aaron and those guys build. Yeah. And these calves have been around for like 350 years, and they've just been around, and you guys have never, but yet you pretend like everything's cool. Everything's cool, right, God? Everything's great. But he's like, no, it's not great. 
It's not great. You've been sowing wind. Nothing is coming back except for a whirlwind. That's all you're going to get. Why do you try to pretend everything's cool? Well, well here's, here's a verse that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. It's a verse, uh, well, you have the more, if I gave you more laws, it wouldn't help in verse yes. 12. So chapter 8, verse 12. Yes. But the one I liked is 13. It made me think where it says, um, like, basically, you guys are bringing more sacrifices, but the Lord does not accept them. Mm-hmm. And that clicked my mind. How often do you ever think of the Lord not accepting your sacrifice or your offering? Like if you pray, or mm-hmm. does he accept it? I mean, I think naturally we're wondering, does he accept it? And maybe we're negative. Because the reality is, um, just because you give it, the big deal, okay, the big deal in Christianity is not that, oh, you're a person of faith and good job, you gave a sacrifice to the Lord. Mm-hmm. The big deal for God's people has always been, God accepts it. Mm-hmm. And he yes. shows you that he accepts it. He burns it up. Mm-hmm. He consumes it. And then he backs it up by being with you and giving you his word and provision and blessing and, and celebration, like everything you need, even down to how the temple is going to be made and, and his mm-hmm. desire to dwell among you. Like he gives you all these things. But it's the, I just realized my mind is flipping. Like I used to always feel like, oh man, I'm praying and I'm doing these things and I'm, I'm, am I good enough? I hope I'm good enough. And the real question is, does my God accept any of these things? That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. You can wear yourself out doing all sorts of good and serving people, and maybe it makes you feel good, but the question is, has it been received by any God out there? And the answer is, apart from Jesus Christ, no. Mm -hmm. It's been, actually, it it hasn't mattered. No one's seen it, which is our worst nightmare now Mm -hmm. because everyone wants to be told they matter because we were created to matter. Mm -hmm. And so I just liked how it flipped it. It says the Lord does not, the, the idea that God doesn't have to accept your sacrifice, yeah. and he doesn't. He says, just because you do it, you aren't relating to me. You're trying to manipulate me. And we've mm-hmm. talked about that a lot. But this is why I think um, Christ is such a huge deal for us, mm-hmm. that God accepts the sacrifice of Christ. And how do we know that he accepted the sacrifice of Christ? Do you know? I'm going to quiz you. How do you know that his sacrifice... It's very simple. It's it's like it's you're overthinking it. I can because tell by your face. He rose from the dead. That's right. <laughs> Resurrection. Yeah. Okay. Just like though, when you offer <clears throat> the meat or whatever, and remember the angel of the Lord to some of these guys burned yeah. up and consumed the things you mm-hmm. put on the altar, or Elijah calling down fight consumed it. That Jesus walks through death and then raises from the dead. Jesus' sacrifice has been accepted, mm-hmm. and it is applied to all who, by faith, say, "I I'm under that sacrifice," yes. and God says. I choose to accept that. And there's a lot of reasons. We'll get into it in Romans. But um, that's how we know. Yeah, and then 9, he kind of goes on with, like, you keep doing the uh, festivals that I've set up for you as if that's great and you love them, but it's really just because you love trying to have a party and have a good time and you're eating all all the stuff that's been set apart for me and all the bread that's supposed to be clean. You're eating it and then now it's unclean. and Right. And you know what? What are you going to do with all those festivals when you march into exile and you're in a foreign nation? Well, How in, are you going to have those parties now? In chapter 9, there's uh, the original Wayne's World quote. Remember oh, back yeah. in the day when it's yeah. like, hey, they'd say something, then they'd go, not. Remember that? Yes. Were you too young for yes, that? Yes, yes. Well, the original line is Where here. Is it's in uh, ch- verse 1, chapter 9. Rejoice, not, <laughs> oh, Israel. Yeah, he's like, you're not going to rejoice. I just like how it's yeah, translated. Yeah. Rejoice not. 
It's the first Wayne's World reference Got in the Bible. It. Anyway, uh, you're right, though, what you said. You're going to be led into captivity. And then God, Hosea asks, God, what do you want to give your people? And then it's yeah. in verse 14. And then the answer is, God says, I want to give them no children because I would rather them be barren than see their children slaughtered by the Assyrians. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, that's how chapter 9 <laughs> It's so sad and it, because everything's going to scatter and be wiped out. Uh-huh. Um, and again, it's like, this is all because they refuse. They're using the sacrifices and using these things for parties, yeah. but then they're also thinking, oh, but we're safe too. It's, it's We can be go safe. do our other thing. We can do whatever else yeah. we want because he references two big events that have happened in the past. Um, worshiping Baal of Peor, where Balaam uh, told King Balak, the Moabites, to go how to curse the Israelites while they were in the desert. Oh, right. get them to worship your God. Uh, so he references that in this chapter 9. And he also references... Uh, Remember the Benjamites and yeah. what they did to the Levites concubine? He, re- he references that incident. And he's like, yeah. God has not forgotten that stuff. Right. And that's just been your continuing behavior. That's become the norm for you guys. So, yeah, we're done here. Well, I just know I was, I was kind of praying through these ideas. And you start to think about how big a deal idolatry is. Uh And then I start asking the Lord, like, what kind of idols do I have set up in my life? And I think we've hit this. We've been been in the Bible for over half a year or more now. But idolatry is a big deal. The high places in your heart and your mind are those places that you trust to take care of you. Yes. Above God. So I think of money. I think of success or being liked. And I think there's a daily effort we need to take to say, God, with the sword of the spirit, I'm going to break down these idols I have. You know, like me making money is more important than loving my family, or mm-hmm. I'm going to give up really good things, or even worshiping you, God, to make more money or to be liked by somebody. Like we have to break down those high places. We can't just get used to living with those and then feeling like, oh, but we're good. We're good. It's like your heart is slowly being won over by these things, and these gods yeah. are competing, and we have idols. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's where I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. I can break down those, and that, uh, and that in an instant, it's like the mountain thing we've mm-hmm. talked about. I can be before God. My high places broke down in the morning, and I'm good. The sacrifice has been... Um, given and accepted by God. Yes. Even though I start building new little altars mm-hmm. the rest of the day, and then I break them down the next morning. I'm trying <laughs> to start getting the habit of breaking down all my high places that I start making during the day at mm-hmm. night. So that to the point, I want to get to the point where I never build up these little high places in my life. Um, That'd be great. Instead of waiting to be like, why do I still want to build these high places? You know what I mean? Like thinking I'm trying to get better. Mm-hmm. Instead, just go, oh, no, this is the work. It's like mm-hmm. gardening. I'm going to do a weeding every day of the year yeah. for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. and I'll never have weeds. Well, if I start breaking down all my and identifying my yeah. propensity to have idols, do it a little bit every day instead of waiting till I'm desperate and my idol is letting me down. Anyway, that's more than I wanted to say because we got a lot to say in the New Testament. All right, let's do it. Thanks, Jose. New Testament. All right, our New Testament reading for today is Romans chapter 7, verse 7, through chapter 8, verse 17. Man, we are in some of the best verses in the Bible or passages. 
by Paul. Paul, you know, Romans is like his big defining work, it's, I mean, among many, but um, there's so much here. We're just going to admit to you. We're going to kind of do our best to hit the cream of the yeah, crop here, yeah. just take whatever rises to us now, knowing that there's so much more you can get out of it. Don't think ever that we are exhaustive here. That's not our goal. Yeah. Our goal is to interact and get the story into our hearts and minds. And so that's how we're approaching this. But by all means, read this book over and over again. Read the uh, billions of pages of commentary on this book. There's so much more. Uh, but there's so much just glossing over. It's amazing. Yeah. So last episode, we hit the idea that we are no longer held to the law because we've died to it with Christ by entering into his baptism. Yeah. And so now Paul keeps circling back to the ever-present question. Each time he breaks, breaks it down in one area, yeah. he has to circle back to the, the main question because now there's another angle to hit it at, which is, what then shall we say? That the law is sin? So now he's been saying... He's been, oh, well, he's been saying, uh, should, we, should we just sin more so grace can abound? Right. And he's like, no, 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 this is why, why, why? And so now it's going, oh, so the law is sinful, so we need to get rid of the law. Yes. We're constantly, in our immaturity, we're overreacting, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to manipulate the system to make sure we feel safe in our own works. Yes. Paul's trying to break down our own works and say, you got to stop thinking that way. It's not helpful. You're talking about the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the, you are broken and in sin. Okay. But that's the law's fault. No. And that's where we're at now, right? Yes. The law actually is um, we've died to the power of the law um, in Christ, is like what you said. Yeah. But the law is spiritual. Mm -hmm. So the law is divine in origin. It is God Mm -hmm. revealing the good life. It's revealing how you were created to live. Mm -hmm. But its very revelation to us condemns us because when he says, do not murder... And then Jesus comes along and says, you know, any kind of anger in your heart, you weren't created to have anger and bitterness. So that leads to murder. We're all condemned. And we're yeah. like, well, how can I even live then? Can and, I and ever our, defend myself? And we're so in that broken condition of sin that the sin in us, our condition, rebels against those very words right. and commits more sin. Because we're just like, we're so uh, confronted with it that we're like, no, oh! and we want to rebel. Like, that's just our natural instinct when we hear, don't do, it's like telling a two-year-old. If you've ever hung around with a toddler, the minute you tell them not to do something, they are sure going to do whatever they can to do that thing you told them not to do. Yeah. Because they're like, good idea. Yeah. Oh, really? Thought, and now it's all I can think about. Don't throw that rock at me. Nothing scarier than a two-year-old with a rock. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, they'll, it's like David and Goliath. They're going to hit me right in the temple, and I'm going to yeah. go down. <laughs> Get that rock out of their hand. Yeah, and uh, that's now all they can think about, and they think it's funny and a game. So Paul's breaking it down like on a... Okay, in my mind, it's like big circles getting to little circles. So mm-hmm. the big circle is he's trying to... Jew and Gentile, all of sin. There's no boasting. Grace... Mm-hmm. By faith. Faith is by grace alone. You're all under the law. The law is now dead. You're going to be under grace, the spirit Mm -hmm. of grace, instead of the spirit of the law. But then what what he did there is he said, but the law is still good. Stop trying to throw that out. Yeah, because then then the next question is, well, okay, so if we're dead to the law, then Jews, we don't need the law anymore. So whatever advantage you had over us yeah. is null. And, Let's just get rid of and it. And Paul's saying, no, the law is good. Oh, wait, stop, stop. That's the law is good. Reaction. Then Paul, he goes, he gets personal. 
mm-hmm. which this is one of, has been one of my favorite passages my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes for good, sometimes for confusion. But this, <laughs> he gets into the passage where Paul basically says, the struggle is not just among Jew and Gentile, and not just about law or no law, it is within you. Mm-hmm. So the law and now the spirit of grace, the spirit of God, are going to battle within you. Yes. The struggle is real, y'all. And this is where Paul says things like, and I would highly recommend reading it, where it's like that what I wanted that which I want to do, I don't do. Mm-hmm. The things that I don't want to do, I am doing. And he ends up with saying, Oh, wretched man that I am. Who he asked the question, who will save me? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not my mind is lining up with this Jesus thing, but my my body and my, and my sin nature. My other sin nature, the fl- he calls it the flesh, but really he's talking about it's your mind too. Mm-hmm. So your mind is split. And it's very it's it, the best way to put it is like this, like um, well, the first time you fell in love, there's part of you that goes, I like this girl. I think she likes me. And, and by the way, she says, I like you. Mm-hmm. But then you walk away and your mind says, oh, I think I feel like a fool. Mm-hmm. I don't think she likes me anymore. I saw her talking to that guy. I know it's her cousin, but still, that's weird. Maybe she's dating her cousin. Like there's a part of you that starts doubting. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Um, I went to a school in the South. <laughs> that's inappropriate. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. But... You know, you have that part of you. And so Paul is showing that we have been redeemed and now we're not under the law anymore, but the effects of law, we are still living in this world. And so that part of your brain is still under the effects of the law. So the law says you've not loved God with your heart and your soul and your Mm -hmm. mind or your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. So you could sit there and go, I'm a bad Christian. I'm horrible. I don't think I'm saved. And then at the same time, because I'm not doing all the good things. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing bad things. But then at the same time, you get the word of God saying, I love you, you're safe in Christ. And these are what struggle within Mm -hmm. you. And it's important to hear this because if you think that the process and the word really here is, um, what he's doing is he's breaking two theological words. He's going to break down three theological words, justification, sanctification, and glorification. Mm -hmm. He's out of justification now. Justification is, are you saved or not? Right. You're saved by the work of Christ. Now he's getting into sanctification, which is you're being made holy. Right. So that work of the new man is starting to slowly, it's the mustard seed, to spread out. Yeah. And that process is this life for us. And it's filled with struggle because we're still doing the things we don't want to do. Yeah, because we are still in a sinful world. Our condition of sin is still on us. But the interesting thing that I got while reading this is realizing even the undercurrent of hopefulness of, oh, this is how you know, because at least there's a part of you now that recognizes the goodness of God's law and goes, oh, I actually want to be under that. I actually want those things. I actually agree with him, but yet there's a part of me that doesn't. You just made a good point. My phone reacted. Mm -hmm. And so it is this, because before... When there is no spirit of God in you, you hear God's law and you're like, okay. Yeah. I don't care. That sounds, that sounds crazy. Like I'm going to be intimate with one person in my life? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm yeah. not going to cheat the system if I get a chance to? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Uh, I'm not okay. going to be angry and hold a grudge? Whatever. You, how, tell me how that works for you. <laughs> yeah, my abortion was completely reasonable. <laughs> Whoa, you just went 
I know. You went far on that. I know, because that's how comfortable we get. You're right. And we end up defending it and going, like, justifying our sin. And that's how dead we are. But when the Spirit of God enters in us, there's at least now a struggle. Yes. Going, oh, man, why do I do that? Exactly. I don't want to do that. You hate that you're doing it. Oh, man. But you need to be uh, forgiven. And so now he's recognizing, and he's going, the struggle is real, and the struggle now is within you, and there now needs... Not just be unification between the Greeks and the Gentile, or the Greeks and the Jews, but now there needs to be unification within your own person. Yes, he needs, he personally, Paul, needs unity and forgiveness with the Spirit, mm-hmm. with God daily. And so you think, how much more do we need it? And then the right. church will need it. And, our, and then, um, then he just says, like, we are in this body of death. So my mind serves God, yet my body still fights. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Really, you have to think the new reality is, is beginning to blossom in us. So that's why we're struggling to grow and mm-hmm. to learn. But I was thinking, like, the daily activity of trying to drown the old man, push yes. him down. It's like break down all those structures. Like we are talking about with Hosea, all the high places. Like, almost visualizing, here are the areas where I know I have a weakness in I want people, I want to save people. I want to make them make the right choices. That's an altar. Yes. Where I find yes. importance. I yeah. gotta break that down. Or I'm scared about money and the numbers. They need to line up. I need to break that down and drown that and choose to replace it with the real word of God, which mm-hmm. is I will never leave you, forsake you, I will provide for you, you worship me. You know what I mean? Like um that's the the drowning of the old uh and the helping to grow the new. Yeah. And then he goes on to recognize our inability to even help the new and that again it's all a work of jesus christ well and that's where he answers the question thanks he says who will deliver me from this body of death Mm -hmm. that's the question so even personally personally i'm still in this body of death Mm -hmm. but then the guarantee gets greater chapter eight is one of the greatest chapters it's so packed with Mm -hmm. theological ideas but he answers the full question. You can't read seven without eight. Yes. You have to keep going because he says, um, there is therefore. So in light of that struggle, mm-hmm. okay, so the answer, Jesus Christ saves me. Um, thanks be to God who I serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Mm-hmm. Jesus forgives me. But here's the thing you need to know. There is now therefore no condemnation in Christ. There's no separation from God's love in Christ now. And you are led by the Spirit. He talks about being led by the Spirit, not driven by the law. Yes. And, um, and so that's what we're talking about. The task of faith is to uh, drown and basically s- slay the old man. Mm-hmm. As they would subdue the flesh. So it's not just that we say, oh, well, that's how I am. Mm-hmm. You're not sat- don't be satisfied or content with, oh, well, I keep sinning. Mm-hmm. And we're not saying now, like, you have a problem with, like, so many people in our culture, they look at pornography, right. and it's not a big deal anymore. Well, I would say to us and to our people, no, it is a big deal. Yeah. Because you're putting your, something in your mind that isn't what God wants. Intended. And so I'm not saying now feel bad and just struggle, but I am saying ask the Lord to deliver you from that. Right. Ask the Lord, why do I keep going to this? Feel sad for a second, but then let repent. Say, God, forgive me. Take these images out of my mind. Take this desire. Please help me. Yeah. And that's building up the spirit. 
Mm-hmm. And then when you fail again, you get back up. But you don't just ever give up and say, oh, well, this is a part of my life, especially once it's been made known. Mm-hmm. That, so Paul's answer, Right, right, see, yes. See, Paul's answering the question, why don't I just keep on sinning? You can't forget that. And right. he's saying, because if you keep on sinning, you're actually feeding death. Mm-hmm. And no, we don't feed death anymore. We are children of the Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in you, mm-hmm. and you are actually pleasing to God. So it's better to feel bad about the hundredth time you've looked at porn or the hundredth time you've yelled at your spouse or you've cheated on your taxes. <laughs> Ask God to forgive you. Because that, in a way, at least you're starting to pick the weeds of the old man. Don't just give in. Mm-hmm. So sin is a big deal because it leads to the law of spirit leads to life and sets you free. And the law of sin and death leads to death. And Jesus condemned the spirit of death yeah. in the flesh by fulfilling the law and dying. And so that's why you get to um, that part about, so set your mind on things of the spirit. So set your mind on what's right, not just the law, but God who has fulfilled the law. Mm-hmm. You know, so even in your prayers, like, God, help me to uh, have the humility of Jesus. Give me that humility because I, I can feel my pride building up some kind of high place, you know. Um, I like that the Spirit of God dwells in you yes. and makes you pleasing, yes. the Spirit of life. We were talking, I know we like to believe that... Uh, People without the Spirit of God can do good things. Right. But remember, they're only good set up to the standard God has set up. Mm-hmm. So we call something good, like you help somebody in a crisis. That was a good thing to do, whether you believe in Jesus or not. Mm-hmm. But don't be confused. Doing good things does not make you pleasing. Right. Like poop on a, in a field, when it becomes fertilizer and is used for something good, isn't all of a sudden as fertilizer, oh, it's very pleasing to me. Mm-hmm. No, it's useful, mm-hmm. and I'm glad it helps. Mm-hmm. But don't be confused. Right. Without the Spirit of God, you are not pleasing to God. Mm-hmm. And you need to know that. It sounds harsh, because then it'll cause you to thank God even more for His amazing grace in choosing and loving you in the first place. See, right. it all goes like that. You have to believe There's nothing pleasing in me. So why do I know God right now? Oh, his amazing grace. Yeah. And so now I want to walk by that spirit because I know there was nothing in me good. Now I'm good. And now I can do good things and I can see life. And and then ultimately it answers the question that the Old Testament people have after reading Hosea. Like who in the world can be saved, man? Right, right. Who can be saved? Because we are messing it up all the time. All the time. And uh, the answer is, well, we have a better king now, Mm -hmm. and he's given us his spirit because Mm -hmm. our spirit was not strong enough, was not good enough, and now we live by the spirit. The law of God is good, and we actually, it's fulfilled for us so we could walk under it now Mm -hmm. instead of being crushed by it. Right. And we do it in Jesus' name. And, I mean, my daily prayer, sorry, I love this passage so much, there's so much more, but... Yeah, let's get to... The spirit of slavery, Mm -hmm. which leads to fear. Right. And the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Mm -hmm. and we are heirs. Think about fear. When you're under the law, all you have is fear. Mm -hmm. When I am under the law, and I I frequently put myself under it Mm -hmm. uh, as a pastor, like, oh, no, I'm not doing enough to get people to stay at church. I'm not doing enough to get people to church. Mm-hmm. And you start to feel powerless and you get scared. You know, yeah. you're like, God, is this thing going to keep going? Am I going to do this? Are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to do 
That's the spirit of slavery. Now, it's slavery because I'm putting myself under the law. Right. And the law says, if you don't get enough people, you can't pay your bills. And you will die. And you will die. And that's true because mm-hmm. it's the law. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad. That's just true. Mm-hmm. But I don't live under that. Right. I live, if I live under that, I'm under a spirit of fear and I'm a slave to it. So now I got to go out and secure myself and right. get money and find a big donor. And, uh, and now God in his grace shows up sometimes when we're acting out of fear. Mm-hmm. He shows up a lot, actually. Yeah. But the option for us is the spirit of adoption. Yes. Whereby I cry out, Abba, Father. And that's what I do in my daily prayer now. I go, I cry out, I say, I exchange this, uh, I call it the spirit of the orphan. Mm-hmm. Where I have yeah. to... That's a and good, yeah. I, I exchange the spirit of the orphan that I love and I've clung to for a long time and I accept and receive the spirit of adoption whereby I cry out, Abba, Father, and then I just make all my requests known to my dad. I go, mm-hmm. Daddy, would you bless our church? Would you provide? Would you save people? Would you put them, get them on fire for you? Would you, you yeah. know, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And Because now we're heirs. And I say, God, would you bless our podcast for generations to come that my great-grandkids would listen to? You know what I mean? It's yes. different. It is There's different. a spirit of adoption and hope and not fear. And we're not doing this because we have to hustle and survive. We're doing it because we can enjoy it. We're humans who live under the reign and rule of God the Father. Who has everything for us. It's amazing. Yeah. Through his son, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so um, we suffer, and we suffer with this old man and daily battle and drown him in the truth, the overwhelming love of God seen in the work of Jesus Christ by the power of his spirit. That's the work we're involved in. So (laughs) be assured by the spirit that God loves us in Christ. And, And this is what Paul's saying, like be united to God in Christ with the spirit of adoption. Yeah. I didn't save you to be scared. You are going to sin. And when that sin leads you to start fearing and, and be scared, mm-hmm. that's good. But then exchange that fear with faith. Go to Christ. Repent and receive forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. Now you're restored. All your sins are washed away and all God sees is your faith, the fruit of your faith. And he's like, I love you and I trust you with all the goodness of this earth. You're going to inherit this earth. Um, this is the process of sanctification. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling bad about sin, you're probably in the right place and ready for this. If you're feeling callous and you're like, I'm pretty good, um, we'll just we'll pray for you. <laughs> anyway. Romans, man. Oof. Am I right? Yes. Where are we in the psalms today my good friend today i'll be reading psalm chapter 88 verses 9 through 18 my eye grows dim through sorrow every day i call upon you O lord i spread out my hands to you do you work wonders for the dead do the departed rise up to praise you is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in abaddon are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors, I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. 
Boom, you've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.